What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we are getting back into the horror theme. It's been a little while, so we're going back in. And I have got someone who we've had on before and is uh, bringing a special kind of horror to the show. I'm bringing on author Peter Laws. Peter, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. It's uh, nice to be back. How are you doing? I'm good, uh, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing? Yeah, um, I should be buying you a drink when I said that. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing good though. I'm doing really good, and uh, um, thank you for coming on. Um, oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, but you're not you're not just you're not just coming on the on the, on the goodness of your heart. You're, you're coming here because you, you've got a new book out. You're, you're, the oh, latest yeah. Matt yeah. the latest Matt Hunter book is out. Yeah, which um, is great. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, I uh, a, a few years ago I got the idea of starting to write novels, which was quite a, quite a new thing for me. And amazingly, after well after a quite a lot of rejection, um, I managed to get a, a two book deal. And then here I am. The fourth novel is is out in just come out in shops on February the 20th. So um, very exciting to see that kind of ongoing series and me having the the chance to tell sort of scary crime fiction stories with hints of the supernatural. Yeah, obviously I've, I've read the first two. Yeah. Um, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed them. Really oh, lovely! Thank so you. It's uh, I mean, just to give you the concept, it's uh, you know, it's um, uh, a professor or so, uh, uh, called uh, is he a professor? Yeah, he's um, <coughs> yes, Professor Matt Hunter. Matt and, Hunter. Um, he's an ex-church minister turned kind of atheist uh, academic who um, he he spends his time sort of trying to debunk the Christian faith. Um, because he's he's got some issues, he's got some cosmic issues with uh, religion. Um, but uh, at the same time, because he's got this previous training in religion, he is he is employed by the um, or, or so deployed by the uh, police if they ever come across a crime that has some sort of weird religious or occult type um, element. And so in the books, he is sort of drawn into. Um, all manner of like creepy and strange and usually quite violent uh, crimes. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I, if you're into sort of um, that sort of, you know, like I say, crime fiction with that hint of supernatural, that sort of like, I wouldn't say a hint, like there's some really sort of strong sort of elements in it. That <laughs> yeah, it, that's it, true, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's re- they're really good. I, I do recommend them. Um, Thank you. And they are, they are, there are parts of these books that are legitimately scary. <laughs> Um, oh, that's that's encouraging, and uh, it's it's strange actually because I I I had some messages recently of like I, I saw someone had posted about the book and it said like Unleashed the second one they'd said uh, I cu- I couldn't finish this I was too scared and it was mm. it was like yeah that, like, that's, <laughs> that's that's kind of good and that's a good compliment. The other thing is I think for this sort of um, you know this sort of uh, genre or sort of like you know uh, area of sort of uh, fiction and stuff. 
I, I, I like that this is almost as well sort of like typically English or typically British. Yeah. Um, it, you know, he's a very sort of like just a sort of down to earth sort of kind of guy. And uh, he's obviously gone through some stuff, but mm. um, it's family. You know, he's, he's got his family, he's got his life, and he's, he's an interesting character. So, yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, I, I actually deliberately did that because um, so so many times, particularly in kind of crime dramas, uh, the the like protagonist, the sort of the, the cop or whatever, um, is is deeply troubled. You know, so yeah. he's struggling with alcoholism, or he's like his, his wife has left him, and yeah, there's there's a place for all that, but. Um, you know, I, I just wanted this guy to be, you know, happy. He's he's a geek himself. You know, he you know he he builds um, arcade cabinets at home, and he loves <laughs> Star Wars and all that sort of stuff. But he and he has a very happy family life, uh, and yet he just gets plunged into these um, these cases, and particularly with Possessed, which is the, the latest book, um, they're starting to take us their toll on him. You know, psychologically, because you can only see too, so many dead bodies before you start freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it starts to chip away a little bit. But so the latest book, Possessed, like, can, is there a blurb? Can you give us a little bit of a hint without spoiling yeah, there is a, it too much? Yeah, there is a blurb. Basically, um, hang on, where's the book? I've got a copy of the book, so here we go. Yeah, um, what does it say in the back? It's called Possessed, and it says, here we go. When a blood-soaked man is discovered with the word Bale Barith scored into his flesh, the bewildered police call on expert Professor Matt Hunter to assist and before long, a gruesome discovery is made and Hunter is drawn into a frenzied murder investigation. But then with a fury of media interest in the case and the emerging link to a documentary on demonic possession, Hunter is unable to escape a dark world of exorcism and violence, even when events spiral frighteningly out of control. Cue thunderclap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of starts like a, a, a murder case where the... Um, the supposed murder c- claims to have been possessed by a, by a demon, an ancient um, Babylonian demon from the Bible, and uh, he gets drawn into that. But and, and but but as the as the book develops, this kind of uh, TV crew want to come along and and and, and film uh, what is actually one of the reasons why I wrote the book and document what they're calling in the book a possession epidemic um and by that mm. i mean i was I, I went to a academic conference I, I write for a magazine called the 14 times and i was covering this academic conference for them this was about four years ago maybe more and um at this academic place uh they were they were having lectures about the growth in possession cases today and this wasn't a Christian place. It wasn't like a church Vatican-y type thing or anything. It was just a secular academic play, uh, conference where they were noting that these days more and more people were requesting exorcism than ever before. And there was this global boom. And I just found that fascinating. As I like, crikey, you know, I thought we kind of moved on from this stuff. But if anything, we're embracing it even more, or some people are. Yeah, and well, this is sort of where... Sort of, you know, we we sort of, uh, you know, we were talking online about uh, just another sort of project I'm working on, <clears throat> and you sort of mentioned this, and so we got talking. That sort of, you know, how you sort of ended up on the show, and it sort of fascinated me this idea that, as you said, the the statistics show that there's, that like I said, there was more um, requests and, and sort of demand. Yeah. I suppose it's more of a, sort of request. I suppose you do demand an exorcism. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, of, of people looking to be exorcised and, and, and claiming that the you know the existence of demons, um, and 
you know, so we started to sort of say about the idea of like possession movies, but it was what was interesting is, um, as I sort of mentioned just off air, I went on a bit of a, a, a rabbit hole on um, on YouTube about this idea of possession. Oh, okay. And it, it, it's a real sort of interesting thing. It, is, it does seem to have sort of like just taken off. Like there, there is, like you said, there, there is actual like debate now about, okay, is, is this um, a mental health epidemic or is it? Oh yeah, some sort of religious thing. It's um, people are like talking about it in serious terms. It's fascinating that it's sort of it's it's out there, and uh, I, I believe like the Vatican has actually put out you know um, actual uh, statements about it. And oh one, yeah, one, I mean... of, one of the films that will will come about is actually about a book about how the Vatican handle it. So it's it's yeah, it's a, it's out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, the Vatican were having to put on, uh, you know, training courses for priests because there was more demand for this. And um, you will see that, uh, you know, if you look at some of the statistics that in, in places, let's say in regions in France, for example, where they might have had, and I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but it might have been like, they say, like five requests for exorcism like 10 years ago. And then, you know, recently it's it's gone up to say 20 or that, mm. that sort of increase. Um, and what's very interesting as well is because of this kind of growth in demand, um, the people meeting this demand, ex- like uh, there's a kind of indie exorcism scene developed where people who are not ordained, uh, they are not members of the clergy uh, are, you know, setting themselves up as a, well, look, I can, I can cast out demons. And, and so you can, if you feel you've got a demon, you can be exercised via Skype or via FaceTime, and uh, that's... there's an app. Are you basically saying there's an app for that? There's an app for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but it, but but the, the I mean, there really is in the sense that, and 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 I, I I don't personally have a problem with that. You know, some people think, and actually this comes up in the book. Matt Hunter is like rolling his eyes because the idea of people learning about how to pos- exercise someone via YouTube or, um, but I mean, to me, that's just a natural way that we share information today um but obviously there is a big danger because at, at the very least um if you remember the clergy and as as you know i suppose maybe i don't know if your viewers listeners know this but i'm also an ordained church minister um and 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 you have to go through so many checks and balances mm. to be to, you, i mean it, it's a long process of discernment and then if if the church don't think you're 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 suitable for the job they'll they'll just say no you can't do it and all throughout the job you know it takes about six years to go through the whole sort of procedure um because you're dealing with human beings and there's a real pastoral element of danger uh but what happens with these indie guys i'm not i'm not i don't want to assume they're all philistines but you know if i just do a quick skype call with some vulnerable young man you know living in poland or something how do I know what effect that's going to have on his life? So, it's it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think is, is, is you spot on. It's sort of uh, one of the things that sort of I learned from um, doing doing it, going down this rabbit hole is, as you said, this thing around checks and balances. Like, it's not you know, if someone does turn up and sort of says uh, either they or sort of someone they know is exhibiting behaviours that they consider to be demonic. Yeah. Like the church. The church doesn't just jump on it and be like, right, pass me the holy water and the nearest Bible. No, they'll go, they they go in. They'll bring in psychologists. They'll bring in sort of therapists. They'll bring in people to discuss this with them. 
Yeah, and, and actually, this is this is a common thing you see in horror films, which could be frustrating. I always used to get frustrated with horror films where, um, you know, if some demonic activity was happening in a film, let's say, and people would go to the church for advice, and the church would often be kind of reluctant, like they won't grant an exorcism on this house. And mm. you think, oh, my, come on. It's so obviously like they're being traumatized by the devil. But actually, that, that it's quite a realistic view is that, you know, for many churches, they, they are it's ultra cautious about this because it's so easy to misdiagnose, you know, a m- mental health issue as, as this. And um, and it's right to have a cynicism. If someone just rocks up and says, I possess by devils, <laughs> uh, you know, you're like, well, hang on a minute. Let's check into this. Uh, so it's 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 wise to be cautious, I think, uh, because the. There, there are inherent dangers in just going full force into into exorcism. I don't know if when when you were looking through YouTube, you were looking into some of the cases where mm. you know people have died as a result of exorcisms. The most famous of Annalise Michelle in um, in Germany, who 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 died of starvation during a horrific um, exorcism in the, I think it was the seventies, and you can you can hear audio recordings of that on on youtube it's it's just chilling it's scary yeah that 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 was you know and when i said when it's so fair when i said to you I, sh- I was basically sort of sat in bed one night just flicking through these videos and stuff and it was you know uh you know you got sort of dimmed lamp light i'm sat there just watching this yeah that's what i listened to i listened oh, to like, the audio yeah. recordings of Anna, Anna, uh, annalise michelle and yeah um i had my nightlight on pretty much for the, for the rest of the night because that is yeah it's chilling it's and to see the images of her before and after or before oh. during this is you know the, the poor girl went through uh, an ordeal um, and, yeah. and obviously didn't didn't come out of it. Exactly. And so I mean, and it, was, it should be noted that the priests and um, or the, the, the priest but the, and, and her parents were taken to court and and yeah. you know tr- tried for manslaughter. So um, yeah, there was a real debate in Germany at the time as to whether or not mm. the church should have been involved and what their culpability was and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Absolutely, uh, and, and 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 I think this this topic and and you, if you're listening to those videos, uh, um, they they're chilling in whether you're an atheist or whether you're a theist. You know, it doesn't mm. matter in a way. I mean, obviously, if you believe in God and the potential of the devil coming into your life, then it's particularly scary because you think, oh, oh, this could happen to me, I suppose. Um, but even if you have no f- faith in anything, you know, like supernatural, I mean, you're you're still looking at a, at, at a horrendous human tragedy. Mm. Uh, and so it's just gut wrenching on, on on every level. And so, and I suppose this is why I was fascinated by this topic and and thought it would be rich pickings for a kind of thriller that thrives on like misery and death. <laughs> well, one one of the things I was curious about, uh, and I'll be especially uh, to ask you about, actually, is yeah, this increase in, in this uh, spate of possessions or alleged possessions. Yeah. Um, it. Does it sit within the sort of what I was supposed to be with sort of the Judeo-Christian um, religions? You know, does it sit within that sort of bracket, or you know, is it is it sort of uh, acknowledged in other more Eastern religions or other religions as well? Sort of, you know. Um, oh, it's all it... yeah, it's all over. You know, it's 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 not just a kind of a Christian thing. It's um, you know, you you'll see this idea of possession. Uh, in in all loads of different forms of religion and and also I mean funnily enough uh, yesterday I did um I did about I don't know, like fourteen or something interviews with the BBC about this new book and um, with different radio stations and one of the one of the DJs or the, sorry the presenters asked me a question which took me aback a bit at first he went 
he says, well, is, is possession by the devil not just, like, why is that different than Christians who say they have God in them? And, like, are they not possessed by God? Like, what's, what's the difference? And I was like, oh, well, I mean, my, my, my point was, I suppose, the idea of God is like a benevolent character who's kind, and whereas yeah. the, devil, the devil doesn't want to, like, sort of grab people between the legs and stuff, <laughs> stuff like, and, and, and all those sorts of kind of attacking things. Um, but but, I, but I, I've, I've subsequently thought about that and thought, yeah, you know, this idea of, of even having a benevolent uh, supernatural being inside you, uh, as it were, guiding you can be very disturbing to, to, to many people. And so, so that's why people can find Christians like scary because it's, you know, they've well, got uh, this thing it, in them. A, it's a good point because you know, I hadn't made that connection because you suppose you do automatically go to you know, the thing you do see, the horror and, and, and the, you know, the, the negative side, the, the demonic side. But you do see these sort of like um, evangelical, um, you know, churches and where you do see someone, some sort of uh, minister sort of casting out demons, you know, sort of like, be gone, demon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then you also sort of see those audiences and they'll have like you know, the shakes or they'll do sort of, an, you know, unusual things, or whatever. And they'll say, oh, no, I, I was channeling the, the, the Holy Spirit the Holy or something. Spirit, yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. So it, it's fascinating. Yeah, that's, so it, it does swing both ways, I suppose, if, if um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you believe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, this it, the idea was, because I, I, I do find this fascinating, and we did talk about how this then sort of like... Um, materializes in um fiction in these films um yeah. one of the things that I, I was curious about is you we all start i think with the obvious um the exorcist mm. um from 1973 yeah and, and then i was sort of just looking and i was like oh there's this and there's a few others i mean there's a sort of a weird sort of uh, lovecraftian film called uh possession um mm-hmm. from the early 80s with sam neill uh, and then that's it and then oh, i love of, I love that film. It is, it, yes, it's a great, very weird film, but it's very, yeah. very good. Um, but then all of a sudden, like uh, from about 2000, literally like the, the, the later 2000, 2005, 2006, you get yeah. a couple. And then there's just loads of them. Yes, there is. And, and I mean, I, I mean, there are there, there were a lot of possession movies, particularly in the 70s uh, mm. um, and, and a lot of maybe kind of foreign language ones that don't necessarily make everyone's radar. But there was there was a, there was a, st- a steady flow in the 70s and then it kind of sort of chilled out a bit. But you're absolutely right. Um, uh, you know, l- later on in the kind of 2000s, there was there was this kind of explosion of, of possession films. And um, I think there are reasons for that. I, I think on one sense, um, we were living in an age where religion itself was a scary threat because particularly with 9-11 and the idea of kind of religiously fueled terrorism and um, it became natural to think of, you know, the, the religious topics as not being necessarily about nice things but could be about terrifying things. So um, the Christian worldview of, of the devil... Um, may have may have come into play but i think actually one of the reasons why there were so many possession movies is um is is maybe why there were so many zombie films as well is that it's just it's just really easy on a yeah. budget to make a make a exorcism film it's not that hard uh you know you're not you're not making a werewolf transformation that's really hard to do um on a budget 
but you know you can like sl slap a bit of latex on someone's face and get them to swear at the cross and you're like hey we're, we're there we're, we're done I say we're after the races yeah um, and I do think you're right I mean the, you know we talked about the the, the Annalise um, Michelle case mm -hmm. uh, and, and that was one of the first one of the early ones of the 2000s is the, it's called The Exorcism of Emily Rose so they obviously changed yes uh, the yeah. names and stuff um, and that's that that film is interesting because it plays out like a courtroom drama but with flashbacks to the exorcism and stuff. Mm. Um, and that, so that sort of comes in around 2005. Yeah, that's um, right. And you, but then you get, and you get, like, you, you do sort of get that, you know, obviously look, there's a load of like schlocky ones that come along. Um, but there's a couple that sort of really stuck out to me that I found. Okay. Like, there's two, there's, there's three in particular I thought were really interesting that sort of around this period. Um, the first one is, but um, I'll do an order. It's called The Right. So Anthony Hopkins. Oh yes, yeah. And um, on the, it, based on the book by uh, Matt Baglio, I think it was called. Which I, uh, yeah, I read the I read the book yeah. and saw the film. Yeah, it's, the book was called The Right: The Making of a Modern Exorcist, and that was one of yeah. the things like I said when I was looking. This idea that no, they don't just well. There were two things in this film that I was like that. I'm, that seems odd. I'm very used to this notion, as you said, of sort of like you know calling. Calling Father Dyer, and then it's sort of an hour and a half of sort of like throwing <laughs> holy water and shouting at a possessed yeah. girl, and it's all action packed. But then with this film, it was very much about, you know, firstly, no, no, we don't just accept anybody off the street who tells me they're possessed. Yeah. Like we look at all these bits and pieces, and then there was the notion of repeat visits. Like, oh no, it's not just a one really yes. intense night of, you know, lightning, oh, yeah. lightning and you know, floating beds and all other stuff. Like, no, no, these people come back again and again and we'll do sessions. And I was like, yeah. and I was like, and that, when I, when I learned that actually that is, that is real. Yeah. I that was is, fascinated by that, that these so, people are living with this over for days, months, years. Yeah. And that, that's actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I wouldn't have thought to mention it, but yeah, you're right. The repeat visit thing is, is, is certainly a feature of real life um, possession cases, and um, and and in some ways, and I think in 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 the the book, Matt Hunter character points this out and is saying, well, you know, this is symbolic or, or, or symptomatic of um, people who really are, are struggling with mental health issues and are not getting it diagnosed properly and not getting the proper medical help. So they'll go in for the sort of the quick fix of let's say an exorcism, and then. It lasts for a little while and then it wears off again and they go back uh, over and over and over again. Um, and so if you're a cynical person and you don't believe in the supernatural, it makes sense that someone would keep coming back because you'd say, well, the exorcism doesn't do anything. Mm. Um, uh, but then if you're a re religious mindset, you might simply say, ah, but the devil is so wily. He keeps <laughs> going and going. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, and and, uh, this, and this one of the things that I thought about a lot for, the, for this book, because I... I the idea that, um, let's say, like in The Exorcist, for example, the original film, The Exorcist, once the little girl, uh, Reagan, is possessed, she's she's just full-on possessed for, like, the whole film, uh, pretty yeah. much. She's nice at the beginning, and then she's constantly possessed. She stays in the same place for all the time uh, in, in, the, in the house, and that's it. And it's scary and all that. But then there was, a, like, a black exploitation version of The Exorcist that came out called um, Abby, which I quite like, in 1974, which was a sort of well, people call it a rip-off version of The Exorcist. I guess it was, but it had its it had its own charm and its own angles. And in that, Abby would slip into the possession mode and then slip out of it, and she would be out and about, living normal life, going to like the discotheque of the seventies. <laughs> and um, and 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 I found that fascinating because that was actually more realistic. Uh, 
that that's that's more like the real experience of people who claim to be possessed they they live their normal life and um i would recommend a documentary called uh i think it's it's italian uh, documentary called um deliver us which came out in 2016 and that follows uh father cataldo migliazzo who's this 80 year old italian veteran exorcist who basically finds himself in high demand because of this boom in exorcism and this just follows his uh, mass exorcisms that he puts down, that that he offers every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, he does a three-hour service where people come and they sit in the crowd, and he does the exorcism stuff from the front of the stage, so from the pulpit, and then people start freaking out. Um, and in that film, it follows some of the people who are possessed, and you'll see them in their normal everyday life, being normal, and then they're sitting in the church and he mentions the name of Jesus or something and they start twitching and start moaning and, and start weeping. It's like, I, I found that a very uh, good documentary to look at the more banal side mm. of, of possession. It's not all like spinning heads and stuff. It's kind of human <laughs> tragedy at heart. It makes you wonder, you know, I mean, I'm coming from, like you said, coming from sort of a, a, a more of an agnostic or atheist position. It's yeah, that sure. Thing of, well, if you're going from a, if you're going through your daily life, I mean, there are times I, you know, you you get to an emotional state where you act out and you go, oh, that wasn't that wasn't me, that's not who I am. But yeah, uh, you know, and but you know, it's sort of like just a, a, you know, build up a frustration or whatever. Um, but you carry on, and so if you're, these people are doing these daily things, so what triggers them to to or, you know, if they are church goers, is it then them feeling uncomfortable on a, you know, when they do visit the church, or is there something else? Um, you know, because some of the, some of the, the the real life cases I read about, and you know, I'll, I'll reference Annalise Michelle again. There was a couple of others, and they they seem to have this. Um, Annalise Michelle actually is 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 a quite a good example, but there was another one I completely forgot the name of now. But they were both sort of um, uh, committed, you know, devout sort of Christians or Catholics, Roman Catholics. Yeah, and it was all it was like a, a change in them and how they felt towards. Um, you know, religious iconography or um, just the thought of going to church and other things. Um, and, you know, everything else, like I say, seemed fine. They would carry on with their daily life. But the thought of these these specific elements of religious iconography really seemed to bother them. It grows from there. That's why yeah. I wonder if it's something around that. Well, quite possibly. Um, but and this is where, like, I think popular culture is interesting in this debate of the exor- exorcism because, um, you know, in... in this novel I've written possessed uh, what happens with Matt Hunter, who's this cynic. Um, he's surrounded by more and more people who claim to be possessed and they're doing all of the things you expect a possessed person to do. So they're, they're swearing, they're, you know, saying sexually shocking things. They're, they're aver- averting their eyes and flinching from religious symbols. And so in their head, they think, well, I'm clearly possessed because I'm doing these things. Whereas Matt Hunter's coming across and saying, you don't understand, but you have subconsciously learned what culture thinks a possessed person acts like. Like, you know, films like The Exorcist, for example, has almost taught us um, the cues to be possessed. And so for some reason, if we think we're possessed, we might actually start, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We start acting uh even subconsciously like the people we've seen in exorcism movies and matt matt's mm. point is like you know 
No, you you think this is a sign that you're authentically possessed, but actually it's just a, it's a sign that this is a social construct, you know, um, that this is not real. But then, of course, like creepy things happen, which may yeah. make them think. And and this is what's this is what gives the shiver down the spine. I think with 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 subjective exorcism. For me, I think so much of uh, the so much of the kind of the the reactions of people who are possessed could be explained in human terms. You know, it's it's not that hard to be to be spitting on a cross or scared of a cross. Mm. It's it's not that hard to be you know to 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 say abusive things to people or whatever. So all of that stuff you can go oh well that could clearly be just human nature. It's not a slam dunk that the devil's in the room. But then I I do I do get creeped out though when I hear about um you know priests or or, or or clergy who have gone into situations where perhaps they've sat with um, a, a, a person who claims to be possessed, and then this person has a kind of forbidden knowledge. Uh, this is mm. one sign, and so they'll suddenly be saying stuff like, like, say, the possessed person will say, uh, you know, I know why your sister killed herself in 1889. And the minister's like, holy crap, how do they know that? You know? Yeah. Um, and like, or like, I know who you're having an affair with, or <laughs> like whatever, and and that sort of stuff. I mean, I suppose you could say it's psychic. I don't know, just mind reading or something. Um, but that that sort of stuff, spooky. That that's not even to mention the more dramatic stuff that's been claimed of people coughing up nails uh, mm. and um, and eyes rolling over white and levitation. I mean, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, would be a, in some ways a kind of slam dunk evidence that something's going on. But at the same time. There's not many YouTube videos where that happens. <laughs> well, you know, that, that takes us on to the, one of the the, the other films because you're right about the sort of the more dramatic. Uh, I, I like the sort of this idea of the sort of like the banal existence of exorcisms versus, so to say, the the yeah. dra- the dramatic. Um, the film uh, "Deliver Us from Evil" from 2014. Oh, that's uh, uh, Scott Derrickson who also yes. did Emily Rose, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and this is based on a series of books uh, by a guy called Ralph Sachi, who was a former NYPD officer. Yeah. Um, and the film itself follows that sort of one or I think a couple of the stories combined uh, for one of his books called Beware the Night. And this guy claims sort of his claims. He's a he's a bit he's a bit like the Warrens in the. Oh yeah. His claims sort of sort of start off. In that sort of relatively banal sort of like, with with dramatic things, but then end up in sort of like you know, the Stephen King sort of territory at times. Yeah. Um, and so, like you say, so some of his stories again of of, of you know the the uh, the the film and the stories in the book are about soldiers that have come back from uh, a war in, in sort of a Middle Eastern area, mm. having carried back a possession and some other bits and pieces. And then, but then there's other claims, and the, the, one of the interesting things about this is it's not all um, specifically Christian or specifically Catholic or Jewish. Like it, it, it carries on through all those different bits and pieces. He sort of says, yeah. like, "Oh, I cover all the bases," and then, like you say, it does start to go off the deep end of sort of like, and then there was possession, and then I saw I saw this demonic being, and I said, yeah. you think you're saying it, and your books state it, but in this, you know, sure, especially in New York, like someone would have sort of. Mm. You know, um, and so I think it, when you get to these sorts of cases, because Deliver Us from Evil actually isn't a bad film. I, I do like Scott Derrickson as a director, yeah, and it's not a bad film. Um, but you, when you get to sort of Ralph Sachi, you sort of say, I think you're you, 
the embellishments that you are clearly giving here oh, are, yeah. al- are almost shooting you in the foot of, of sort of you know of credibility. Yeah, um, and it sort of, it tars everybody else then. No, I I agree, and um, like uh, you mentioned Elizabeth Warren, and she was she's also she also did something in a documentary once where that did the same thing for me i mean it's not like i was like a total believer in the warrens i mean i i'm fascinated mm-hmm. i'm fascinated by the the warrens and um i find i find them interesting not only because i like the paranormal and stuff but be, but they come from an era which continually fascinates me which is the sort of the 70s into the early 80s i love that idea of kind of the paranormal world of the 70s I, I, i've always loved that and so they're really part of that but so so I, I I like their stuff um, because I'm interested in it. But I once saw her. There's a documentary called My Amateurville Horror, which is actually a very good documentary. Yes. That's that that film that that's a tragic documentary. Oh is. yeah, I think and I really recommend it. Uh, it's an excellent. Mm. I mean, I I love the Amateurville Horror stuff anyway. I love the first film. I think it's really good, um, and the second one as well. Uh, but anyway, um, I on that documentary elizabeth warren is like talking about all her claims and then she pulls out like this nail um like yeah. a, like a metal nail or something and I'm, I'm sure she says something like oh and this is the actual nail that was used to nail christ to the tree or uh, to the yes. cross and i was thinking like do you really believe that um yeah <laughs> i mean and that's so 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 unlikely and um and yeah so sometimes these people can yeah, you're right. Like trip up any credit, any credibility they may have had by making claims, which are maybe unnecessary. I don't know, but and yeah, the, the Amityville, the, the whole Amityville situation is is a really interesting one, actually. Especially when you get to this idea of sort of um, uh, possession and demonic influence, because it's a double header. You know, yes. You sort of get you you get the um, DeFeo murders. Um, of seventy, I think seventy three, seventy four, whatever. It was. Yeah, that's right, seventy three. Um, and you know, obviously, um, uh, Butch DeFeo, De Ronnie Butch DeFeo, sort of when when he, he committed that crime, when he was he was taken in and arrested. Um, one of his defenses, one of his many defenses, I should say. So you know, everyone jumps at this one, but one of his many defenses was, "Oh, I heard voices, and these demonic voices told me to do it," yeah. which. Is then taken for the second, the Amityville two, uh, the possession for for nineteen eighty two. They sort of roll with that sort of idea. Um, yes, uh, and uh, you know, and <clears throat> one of those things that they sort of what the sort of people suggest supports that is that when he committed the crime, he used a rifle that is re- is sort of uh, renowned for being um, relatively loud. It's a, it is a rifle. Yet all his family were killed in their beds. Like nobody appeared to be reacting. Yeah, that is a bit strange. Um, that's true. I mean, uh, you, you were right, by the way. It was 1974. Now I think about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that's that, that's what's interesting about like sometimes with with horror films that you will find that they they have kind of possession motifs or whatever or possession storylines but you wouldn't necessarily think of them as a demonic possession movie or an exorcism movie mm. because exorcisms don't happen in them but certainly like the amateurville horror is a is essentially a possession film um just maybe without the religious uh the clear religious exorcism because in that all the religious people are just a bit crap like you know they they yeah, turn yeah. they turn up at the house and just throw up and then leave um yeah. or they get they get blinded rod steiger getting blinded um, and so and, and there's quite a few other you could say some other like films that are like possession movies like um i i'm a huge fan of um lamberto barber's 
Demons from the mid eighties mm. and eighty five, um, which in a, in a sense is a possession movie where you know a, a cinema full of people are watching this scary film and they get they get kind of possessed by these demons, but it's almost like a zombie film because it's say, through scratches and and and, and cuts. Um, but yeah, but I suppose what we in our in our culture what we would class as a demonic possession movie normally has the counterpoint of some sort of religious ritual to cast it out, i.e. exorcism. Um, and so there are, there are. I mean, well, the classic is the, the Exorcist, of course, from the early 70s. But um, what's, what's interesting about The Exorcist, I find, is that you can compare it with, um, say, The Omen, which was another mm. uh, you know, massive film, both brilliant horror films, I think. Um, but in... Well, you know, in in the Omen, for example, um, you would say that the the devil comes across as much more impressive, you know, as in he's like this master strategist. He's planning to dominate the world. Um, Whereas in The Exorcist, um, he's just surprisingly juvenile. (laughs) He's he's just wanting to like freak people out and say shocking things. Um, and, and, And I don't know what's going on there. Like, I don't know if is it... Is it just, is this the devil's way of letting off a bit of steam? You know, like, like so he's taken over the world, but then occasionally he'll possess a couple of people just for the larks? Um, or is he just so desirous of human torment that he'll do anything on a large or a small scale to cause it? I don't know what it is, but, but you know, the, in, in a way, the, the exorcist is a very small view of what the devil likes to do. You know, it's just like messing around <laughs> you know, having that a laugh it's a weekend he had, he had a quiet weekend so he filled, yeah, exactly. it, he filled it with the possession it is a really good point i mean you know they, they sort of uh i'd never thought of it that it is a small film because you know whether it be the devil or you know the demon pazuzu or whoever they never really clarify in the film or the book yeah but it's that thing of like well really you're only taking this one soul and you know possibly challenging another in in the form of sort of like father dyer and that sort of thing so mm. It's, it is interesting. It's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of, it is, but the omen isn't it much more interesting and sort of, an, an, you know, like you say, an epic um, yeah, uh, takeover. And particularly Omen 3, the final conflict. I mean, it's just, mm. a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of, yeah, you know, much more ambitious um, program. Like, he's got a much more ambitious itinerary. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. this weekend, take over the world, murder all the babies that are born on a certain day, you know, all this sort of stuff. You know, take over the American embassy. Whereas in The Exorcist, it's like, make a girl masturbate with a, with a, with a cross yeah. <laughs> and stick a f- mum's face in it. It's like, oh, okay. Um, that's, but, yeah, that's like the bro version, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Sort of the fraternity <laughs> version of possession. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. You hit on something I hadn't actually thought about really, but uh, I, I recently did a series of shows on uh, the Satanic Panic. Oh yeah, of, lovely of, of the eighties, and um, I went back and looked at everything, the sort of like the roots of it, um, from you know the, the sort of like the the occult uh, counterculture of the sixties through to yeah. sort of like the Man- the Manson family and the growth of the Church of Satan and everything else, and then through to the sort of like the the seventies and sort of uh, what. Is often deemed as sort of like the, what they call the the Satanist trilogy of Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, and The Omen, mm. and how that all grew. Um, and so you know you see the sort of the growth of this sort of uh, what's called the New Christian Right in America and these evangelists and stuff. But one of the weird things is when you actually get to the sort of the meat of the panic. I mean, you know, forgetting all the sort of the 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 bizarre um, preschool trials and that sort of thing. 
there was a legit fear for some of these for these people that that oh, that, yeah. that, 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 that demons were real um and you know whether they are or not but it, but but um they legitimately believe they're real and that things such as uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Saturday morning TV cartoons, you know. Um, yeah, He Man, that was seen He-Man, as bad. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why. <laughs> um, c- certain films, certain books um, were actually channeling and were created due to demonic or, you know, and, and, and devil influence. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating to see that that fear, that, that real fear was there. Oh, um, huge, for, hugely. For some of these people. And I, love, um, I, I find that stuff fascinating. Mm. I am. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that I write for the Fourteen Times, and I'm, the the issue out at the moment. Um, I wrote the cover story, um, which was about um, this kind of cartoonist, this Christian evangelical cartoonist called Jack Chick, um, who has been notorious for fueling the satanic panic or helping oh, to fuel it yeah. um, through these little kind of cartoon um, tracts. And throughout that, yes, it's it's just it's basically everything is is a source of. I talked about Satan. him. I, yes, I, I, I have. Uh, I've got a book of, and it's got sort of like some of his work and stuff in it. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Oh his, yeah. Um, his take on things of, uh, I, the one in particular I remember reading was, um, he shows some people playing Dungeons and Dragons, and someone's yeah. character dies, and it, it leads them to commit suicide because their character in the game is. It's like, and it basically ends with sort of like Dungeons and Dragons is evil. No, yeah, yeah. Like, wow, it definitely. That, that, that took ch- a sort of a, yeah. Yeah, and Chick saw pretty much everything as evil, particularly the Catholic Church. He thought he thought mm. the the you know, he, he claimed that the Vatican had a supercomputer that had the name of every Protestant on it, and that they'd been organizing assassinations for <laughs> for years, and and that they were behind all sorts of, of shenanigans. Um, but yeah, and this idea of like the devil in music and um, and in Halloween uh, celebrations and all that sort of stuff, and and and, and it's I, I find this whole thing both fascinating and tragically depressing yeah. because. It, it it it's put off a kind of a, a generations of people to Christianity. You know, for me, I was very anti Christianity growing up, precisely because of this sort of ridiculous rhetoric that was, mm. um, you can't watch He Man. I mean, come on, give me a break. <laughs> um, I like He Man, and uh, and 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 it just put puts people off. And it was only in my early twenties when I kind of started thinking about spirituality, perhaps, and and asking big questions. And I was meeting normal everyday intelligent people who were also christians i thought oh well maybe this could be for me um but for many people it just it it the ridiculousness of those claims um just make christianity seem like an absolute joke uh Mm. like who the heck would want to join a religion that says you're not never allowed to watch a film that's over 18 certificate or you can't like i was in a band once i toured with a band um in england and germany uh um where was yeah it was after university that was it i was a singer for a while and um and i remember we we played in a church once and the the vicar said um oh you can't put your drums there you have to put them underneath the cross and we were like yeah the the acoustics there are crap what are you talking about we need them over there and put them in a uh, like perspex cage type thing for the sound and he went no no you need them under the cross because that will sanctify the beat (laughs) and it's like what um, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and and it and it was like, well, there's something dangerous about the beat of a drum that will break, and and those sorts of ideas just to to most normal people just sound stupid and yeah. funny. 
and sad. Uh, and I, I recently interviewed um, a guy called Lucian Greaves, who was the the kind of the head guy for um, the Satanic Temple, who like, is one of mm. the most prominent sort of sat- Satanist groups uh, in the world at the moment. And um, he was saying about how so many of his recruits um, and his, you know, not, 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 they don't follow him, you know, they follow, uh, you know, Satanism as an idea. Um, and they're good people, by the way. I'm not knocking them. That's not what I'm saying. But these people um, joined Satanism because they had they were burned by evangelical Christians in the 80s, telling them that they couldn't play Dungeons and Dragons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's just silly to it's stupid to me yeah. it, it's a bizarre sort of thing and, and you know it, it comes back to yeah, uh, sometimes i think it comes back to sort of you know uh, fear mongering and, and and lack of, inf- of, of real information you know sort of those that sort of shout loudest unfortunately get heard most um yeah and it, it, and it always seems to start with and who will think of the children um, well, yeah, precisely. Um, and and children were making claims, you know, that they'd been yeah. like, abused by their families with, a, you know, loads of people with robes on. But then some of these ideas were actually kind of pretty much placed there by the the people who were interviewing these kids. And they were like put, putting ideas into the kids' heads. And Yeah, oh, it's... It, it, I mean, um, you'll you'll have heard of sort of like Michelle remembers. Um, yes, yeah. So yeah. I, I I literally read the I read the book. I got a copy. Oh, well done you. And, and I, and I well, yeah. Well, you say well done. It was a slog. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's nice and like, thorough. It's um, you know, when you do see the, the 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 result of this book on the public and on, especially when it was used, it was used as a reference piece for social services in parts of America, especially in yeah. California. Yeah, led to a lot of people spending time in prison for things that they did not do. But I know it's horrendous. Uh, and so that's sort of you know to come back to this idea of possession, though it's sort of it sh- I think it shows how you know uh, I'm I would say uh, appreciative of the fact that you know the church does actually acknowledge that. You know, yeah, there are people that are easily influenced. There are people that are sort of maybe looking for attention or looking for something. And we've got to like weed those people out for their own sake more than our, you know, just as much as the sort of the churches to yeah. make sure that they get the right to make they get sure they get the right um, attention or the right sort of uh, you know uh, support. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I mean, a, a, a quick story would be um, I was doing an interview on a Christian radio station once. And, um, I, I found out later that the presenter had asked her friends to pray for her because she knew I was coming and, um, and she'd found out, you know, the sorts of things I'm into and had thought, well, this guy potentially could have something demonic with him, Mm. you know, because if, you know, if if I'm liking horror films and writing scary things and stuff, I must clearly be, or like the paranormal, for example, I must clearly be demonic. So there's, but what the irony I think is for these people who are thinking everyone's possessed or, you know, that the devil's on around every corner for me, actually, they, they inflate the devil beyond the devil's capability. You know, they, they make the devil much more significant than he really is. You know, in my, in my worldview as a Christian, I don't see like the like a yin and yang type approach where God is fifty percent on one side and the devil is fifty percent on another, and this is like this tug of war for humanity. Um, you know, Christianity clearly teaches that you know, like God, God is God, and the devil does exist, but he's, you know, he's not like, he's not the be all and end all. You know, and um, and so mm. 
so sometimes I find ironically the Christians who claim to say worship God loads actually I end up focusing on the devil more than they need to. Um, I like the devil stuff just because I like the entertainment of it, you know, and um, and I find it interesting. But there was a time in my Christian life when um, I was told to stop watching horror films when I first became a Christian. And I thought, oh, yeah, because I suppose that could be a doorway for Satan to get me or whatever. And I stopped watching it. And the devil had never been more scary in those years than when I was doing that because I thought, oh, my goodness, um, a slasher film called Madman, which I really like. It's just been released on DVD again, and I want to watch that, and I love that. Does that mean am I succumbing to the devil? And it was like this crazy tussle, and then it was only a few years after that when I started to, I think, wise up and think, it's just a film, you know, I just enjoy this stuff. And so I think for some Christians, the devil is way more bigger than he needs to be. Um, you know, just chill out. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because... You know, for you, um, it was obviously the emphasis that was put onto horror films and stuff, and, and, yeah. and what they absolutely represented. But again, like you said, looking at some of these the the films and the thing we've talked about, the, the things that sort of that people have taken and ran with as being that sort of representation of the devil, and the one that sort of I think sort of springs to mind um, from this conversation is is uh, like talking boards or Ouija boards. Oh yes, yeah. So this notion that sort of like you know they were it, they weren't invented until sort of like around the early nineteen hundreds. Um, mm-hmm. They were invented as sort of a game. The word Ouija. Uh, you know, oh, there's many potential where it came from, but you know um, some have said it sort of comes from we and ja, which is obviously yes and yes and that yeah. sort of thing. And there's other bits and pieces. It's a made up word or whatever. But it was basically sort of it was sold as a game. Yeah, <laughs> for, well, for many many years. <laughs> And you know it was a parlor game and, and all this other stuff. I mean, granted, it was just, it wasn't it was never condoned by the church or this other stuff, but it was sold pretty successfully for years in toy shops. Mm. And it wasn't really until The Exorcist and the sort of that seventies era that started to highlight these that that oh my god, actually these are a gateway for evil. And all of a sudden, yeah. now now I know people that were like, I wouldn't have one in my house. And you're a bit like, so what? You wouldn't have Monopoly in your house, or you know, sort of Scrabble. There's, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, su- it's... I suppose that. I mean, I, I can see why um, people would differentiate between like a Ouija board and, and say Monopoly, um, <laughs> because um, there is a there is obviously a risk of fragmenting your own psyche when you're playing um, with a Ouija board, uh, because like I, like for example, when I was a teenager, I I would. Me and my friends did the Ouija board loads, and then I did it by myself quite a lot because I saw that like the film Witchboard, which I always quite liked from the mid '80s. That was a cool film, and I just thought, actually, this is part of my quest to find evidence of the supernatural. So why don't mm. I do this by myself? And I suppose there would have been a risk for me um, to almost like fragment my own psychology there, where I could be having conversations with myself, you know, um, through a board. Uh, or, of course, or, you know, if there's such a thing as a supernatural, maybe contacting things that were not very helpful on us, I just don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, I know people are really, lots of people are really jumpy about um, the Ouija board, and uh, including people who aren't Christians or paranormal mm. researchers or whatever. Did you know, by the way, about the, um, the guy, there's a guy who um, was, he's like an entrepreneur who started to, he's called William Fuld, and he started to, um, like, really kind of mass produce the, the Ouija board and um, he didn't like the twenties became a millionaire through Ouija sales. But um, 
what was interesting was something happened in 1927 to him when on, on the 24th of February, I think that year, he he fell three stories from the factory roof from the Ouija, where they were making the Ouija boards and he managed to grab an open window. Um, but like a, like a scene from a kind of horror movie, um, the window slammed shut while I was holding it and he just he plunged to the ground and was uh, was was hurt um, and then he got into a hospital so he got taken to the hospital um, in a car and it looked like he was going to survive but they hit a bump in the road road and um, one of his broken ribs stabbed him in the heart and so basically the factory um, that he built to build the Ouija board um, was the Ouija board itself had told him to build this factory apparently and so he built the factory, but it ended up killing him in the end. Great story. Well, that's all. That's like all kinds of Final Destination. That, yeah, that's isn't it? it? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say that happened on the twenty fourth of February? In the oh my the goodness, 20th? yeah. Whoa! I didn't think yeah. of that. Yeah. No, so that's that sort of at some point around. <laughs> sort of, yeah, almost around a hundred years hey. ago, that happened. Maybe not wow. Years ago. Yeah, it is twenty wow. fourth February. So yeah, so yeah, I just I do find sort of the whole talking board and, and, and these things sort of interesting and 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 even to the extent of um you know we sort of talked about uh sort of off air actually we talked about sort of ghost watch and, and uh, from, yeah from the early nineties um and that sort of led on to this idea of um uh, most haunted mm-hmm. and um to me one of the things I was just curious about was especially sort of you know as we said. I love the fact that Matt Hunter is so incredibly sort of like the whole thing is very British and that's great. Yeah. Is this idea of sort of like, I mean, you know, you know, uh, God rest his soul or whatever, but he uh, was Derek Akora for me. Oh yeah. Was one of these first sort of characters, you know, Mary loves, to... Mary loves Dick. Mary... <laughs> have you, have you <laughs> seen that clip of him? I, I love have... it. Mary loves times. Dick. I think I, I, remember, <laughs> I was watching it. I was watching that show from the, oh, very start. I saw that episode first that time is around. Pure gold. That is. Um, and, um, <laughs> The, the idea of that side, but the idea of like the spiritualist or the medium being on TV and being able to channel a spirit and all that other stuff. Um, yes. Whether yeah. I believed it or not, you, you said so before. Whether you're a, you know an atheist or a theist, sort of like there is something there is something creepy and you know sort of scary about yeah, that. Yeah, scene actually, that entirely. it's a good point, and it is in a sense like it feels possess possession based in the sense that you know suddenly. Um, you know, they're kind of talking with the voice of the dearly departed ones and stuff. And it's it's funny, you know, because when it comes to uh, these kind of psychics and stuff, I can't, I, 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 I'm, I do have a cynical streak about everything um, as well as an openness. So I think that's just the way my brain works. So I'm quite happy to be cynical about, well, even cynical about religion, you know, sometimes. Mm. But, um, you know, when you, when you see these psychics and stuff, sometimes my natural default is like, oh yeah, all right, all right. But then, <laughs> but then occasionally, you know, occasionally you hear them say things to people, and you think, like, and I mean, like people you know. Um, and like my mom told me a story the other night she'd never told me before um, from her youth, and 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 I was like, so where, where a kind of psychic person or whatever medium had said something about someone she'd lost recently, and I, and I was like, you know. I'm not prepared to say there's nothing to that, uh, but it's yeah, it's Mary loves Dick was still funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen? 
unfortunately, no matter, no matter how how legit he ever was, or you know how groundbreaking he could have been, he's always <laughs> going to be remembered for Mary Love's oh, Dick. Oh yeah, dear yeah. <laughs> me. Um, have you ever seen uh, Satan from 1974, which is the the Turkish version no. of The Exorcist? That's fun. Yeah, you should check that out. It's um, it's not like just inspired by The Exorcist, but it's 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 literally. Like an, a zero restraint photocopy, um, even down to the unauthorized use of tubular bells in the opening credits. Um, it basically, wow. is, it's amazing. It was part of this in Turkish cinema in the 60s to 80s. There was this thing called um, uh, Yeselkam or something. It means green pine. Um, where the where the people in Turkey would just remake Hollywood hits because it was cheaper than licensing the original. So they <laughs> they they, they the, Tur- the Turkish Star Wars was called the Man Who Saved the World. And I've so, seen that. Oh, have you? I've, Fantastic. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Turkish yeah. Rambo was called Rampage. Turkish ET <laughs> was called Buddy. And the, my favorite one now, the Turkish Star Trek was called Omer the Tourist. Tourist on a Star <laughs> Trek or something. But anyway, so they did a version of the Exorcist. Um, and uh, I actually, I quite like it. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the Pazuzu statue is terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, the head spinning stuff, it's just all laughable. But what's interesting about the film is uh, Turkey, the major religion of Turkey is um, is Islam. And so the Catholicism, which is so prevalent in The Exorcist, um, is kind of largely removed from the film. Um, and it's not like the Turkish people insert lots of Islamic equivalents, but the exorcist turns up with some Zamzam water, for example, which is Muslim holy water, which you take from a sacred well in, in, in Mecca. And it's, um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just got its own, it's, it's got a bit of its own personality while also being a blatant photocopy um, of, of the original, but it's, uh, it's, it's quite funny. I do find that last fast. I, I'm going to track that down. I didn't know that existed. I will, I will definitely watch some of those. Um, because uh, I've seen the Star Wars one. I think I think that yeah. might even still be on. That might even be on YouTube. I may have seen that somewhere like that. Um, but yeah, because I think sort of uh with sort of and I'm I may be way off by base here. So if I've got any sort of Muslim listeners, I'm sorry. But um, you know, obviously we talk about demon uh demons and stuff within sort of you know, my that sort of Judeo Christian sort of ideals that yeah. I'm used to. Uh, in the West, but they have like jinn, don't they? And sort of, which is a sort yeah. of a similar thing, but that sort of come out of the desert, and they'll be, you know, there's there's jinn possession and stuff. Um, yes, in, in sort of Islam. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, I I just reviewed an interesting film um, called Under the Shadow, I think it was called, uh, which was yeah, like sort of like Islamic horror horror movie, as it were, which was actually very good. Is it, um, is it called Living, Living, Under the Sh- Living Under the Shadow? I, th- I think it was just called Under the Shadows. It's mm. about, it's set in like the 1980s Iran-Iraq war. Um, yes. It's on and... Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, I see. It is. Yeah, uh, it's, oh, worth, it's worth seeing. I thought it was quite Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I reviewed it in my column this, this, this month in the 14 Times and it was, uh, yeah, it was good. But yeah, there's, um, the, the gin, I think it's like, uh, in Arabic mythology, this kind of interesting sort of evil spirit changes shape and stuff. Yeah. So really, I think we sort of we've 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 travelled around possession quite sort of thoroughly. Yeah. I think I was I really enjoyed that. But uh, you know, I think yeah. So um, we've gone through some of the films. I think there's some great films worth checking out from a horror perspective. Mm. But um, you know, I, I think if 
I would say to listeners, if you do find that there's there's something interesting in this or whatever, then you know, like you say, um, do the research because you know there's, there's. I will say you know obviously be careful what you read and what you listen to because yeah. be, there's some utter crap out there, but look into it because there's some there is a fascinating other world out there that sort of um you know around this belief system so well there is and, and like we started at the beginning when we're talking about my book it's that um this is not something we're not talking about something that is old news we're not like oh can you remember in the 70s when exorcism mm. was a thing um it's actually quite uh like funny enough in in this new novel at the the acknowledgement section i think i say something like and this this is this is my Matanta book on current affairs. <laughs> like it's, you know, <laughs> in a way, it's the most current book of them all. Um, but it's about the ancient ritual of exorcism. And I think that's that's where the irony lies. And I, I've always found um, the like sociology and that sort of stuff quite interesting. You know, what's going on in our culture. Um, and um, particularly one of the themes of this book is to, is to explore cancel culture and how... Um, basically, we live in a society that so easily demonizes the other um, through social media or whatever. And um, we, we are we are experts par excellence these days of um, of of turning another person into a demon um, because of something they've done or some sort of, uh, you know, slip up. And that was certainly something I wanted to explore in the book, too. So, yeah, interesting stuff. It is, it is, um, and so really, what's here? So the the book, the book uh, possessed is out. It's out there now. It's out there in paperback. It it's out there yeah, in, it's... in digital. Yeah, um, an audio book. The audio book comes out March first. Okay, excellent. So it's out there in all formats. Uh, it's the fourth book in the Matt Hunter series. So if you haven't it checked it out, what I would say is, um, I've obviously I've only read the first two, but I would say they're, they're very sort of relatively standalone. But I would say, yeah, they are. Go start at the beginning, but if you want to pick it up, pick it up. I, I sure. highly recommend you try these out. Oh, thank um, you. But Peter, thank you very much for the time. And, oh, thank uh, you. It's been fun. No, it's been great, and I'm, and I'm sure I'll have you on again in the future, and we'll think of some other horror topics to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's always stuff to talk about. Lovely. Excellent. All right, thank take you care. Much. You too. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Another great 20th Century Geek episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in contact to suggest topics for future shows or just chat about everything nerdy, you can email me at 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com. That's 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com. Or find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Just search for 20th Century Geek. If you would like to support the show, please go on your podcast catcher and leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. It raises the show in the ranks and lets more people know about the podcast. If you want to show more support for the podcast, we do have an Amazon wish list. Just go on Amazon and search for 20th Century Geek and you will find a list of books that will help with research for future podcasts. And don't forget... We love second-hand books in 20th Century Towers. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.